Um, okay. Let me just pull up some details and then uh should be good to go. Oh, yeah. I should have brought my laptop as well. Let me just detail some pull-ups and then I should be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. It's like a full <laughs> sentence spoonerism. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. We're back again for another week. How you doing, boy? It's yeah, been a little while. I'm doing well. Doing well. I'm enjoying our sort of casual schedule. I think it's, I th- I yeah, think it's, it's working, working a lot better. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it's become tradition that you mention the frequency of episodes at the start of every <laughs> single episode. So this has been episode corner. I, 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 what I, I'm enjoying the casual schedule by which the episodes are released and the very strict, strict schedule... By but which I one, when we're the in schedule. the booth, yeah. you better fucking believe there's a run sheet on the wall, <laughs> and we are working our way down it. Uh, and at the post-haste. moment, we're, we're up to our eleven to fifteen minutes of faff. Yeah, we're already over time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So this yeah. week, I, th- I think in the description of last week's episode, I don't know if anyone actually checks those. I think we sort of suggested that we might be doing the Northman. We're not doing the Northman. Sure. Yeah. Well, something else came out between now and when we said that. Yeah. That we'll be doing instead. I mean, we can do a little quick chat about Northman if you want to. Yeah. Because um, we didn't really talk about it last time at all, right? I think you sort of gave it a bit of a review, but we didn't talk about it because I hadn't mm. seen it. So, we thought we'd all give right. it a proper chat. So, I, it doesn't... I okay, don't remember well, what you said. So let's come back to that. Yeah. Because yeah. we can chat for five minutes about it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, there's enough other stuff there that I, if, if we don't get around to rehashing your thoughts on the Northman... Mm, I've watched some big ones this week. So yeah, right. Yeah, so, we maybe can, if you want to hear it, Andrew's talk about the Northman... Go back last week Check and last listen step. to it at double yeah. speed. Yeah. All right, cool. So, uh, this week we're doing uh, Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick. That's right. Which just came out just recently. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, that movie. Uh, but uh, maybe we'll sort of fly in some of the audio there if I can be fucked. Probably, fly in. Yeah. Very nice. Hey, Very good Fly stuff. in on an F-18 That's fighter right. jet. Maybe we'll dogfight uh, <laughs> in some audio. <laughs> we'll bomb in some audio. Fuck yeah. I'm going to be bombing in some audio because my shit's not funny this week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're doing that movie. I didn't have much interest in seeing it when we started talking about it. It's Absolutely been, it's been, it's no been coming out for like years and years and years. Yeah. I think they actually wrapped filming on it in 2019. Right. So, it's been, yeah. It's been a few years production and COVID delays and shit. Mm. It Uh, actually, I don't know if this is true, but uh, except for some of the scenes in the bar, it probably would have been not too hard to film during COVID. Like... Yeah, you, you, there's not you know you're in a cockpit with one person. Like, yeah, yeah, if yeah, You two are fine. You're fine. You know. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Interesting. But like, yeah. So it was completely finished shooting before COVID. Mm, though. Right. So 2019, they finished shooting. Um, but in the in the few few weeks since few years, in the few weeks since we released our last episode, it was released and it's been getting all this insane buzz as being this like one of the hot, most profitable films released yeah, in recent times. Hottest yeah. action movie of the summer. All this shit. So um, uh, it is a true blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in busting a few blocks in my own, if you know what I'm saying. Hell yeah. Watching this movie made me bust a block. <laughs> That's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Feels bad, don't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I like. Your my block jo- just got busted. <laughs> my joke said, but slightly more in the future. <laughs> All right. Uh uh, in the meantime, though, we, we'll, we've got some other stuff to catch you up on, some other shit we've been watching. I've got a tiny bit of news, mostly just for the sake of doing news, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, what we can, see what we can squeeze out of this. Uh, and, then, and then we'll just, you know, see where we go from there. Nice. Cool. 
Beef bullet. First cab off the rank. We've got. Uh, are you familiar with Winnie the Pooh? Ah, <laughs> yes. And I'm also familiar with this story. <laughs> so, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, That's just- when I wear no pants. <laughs> Yeah, are you familiar with Winnie the Pooh? Let's do that while I read this new yeah, headline. Yeah. Both of us are not wearing pants during this session, so uh, in, that's it. In honor of the great man himself, nips in, Winnie. balls out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Cover the- up them titties. <laughs> Uh, a, a new uh, mysterious upcoming horror film has uh, been teased in the last couple of weeks. It's called Winnie Ooh, the it's Pooh. Been teased. Ooh, Winnie the Pooh: <laughs> Blood and Honey, and it features a yeah. man wearing a sort of Mike Myers esque or Michael Myers esque <laughs> <laughs> like face mask with Winnie the Pooh's yeah, face. If, uh, oh, I was going to say Hotline Miami style. It's like a latex yeah. animal mask. It looks like a group of people are doing a grisly horror version of the Winnie. The Pooh story. Yeah, because it's just entered public, public domain. domain, bitch. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I think importantly... So enjoy the 50 movies that are going to come out with this shit. Oh, yeah. I think importantly, Winnie the Pooh, the Walt Disney character, isn't public domain. I got a bit confused, but like one of them is and one of them isn't. I think that like the Walt Disney Winnie the Pooh sure. is a different character to so the That's why it looks different or whatever. Maybe yeah. or whatever. But like maybe he won't have a red shirt. Maybe he won't have his balls out. <laughs> But there's some sort of weird. God, that would be so good. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, but with two big hairy balls. <laughs> he's still, he's still just got the mask on, and is yeah. definitely just a man. But yeah. he doesn't wear pants. <laughs> that that would God, rock. A lot, of, a lot of ball chat this week. Sorry to, <laughs> yeah. sorry to all the listeners. Yeah, out I've there been that... watching Righteous Gemstones. I've been messaging you guys in the group yeah. chat about it, the Danny McBride show, and that, a lot of that. show has. More full frontal male nudity Fuck yeah. than any other show I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm that trying rules. to think of what would have more, but it's got more than that. Like right. <laughs> it's every episode so far, I'm pretty sure, has had full <laughs> full dick and balls. That rules. Um yeah. God. Uh, so agree. It's nice to see, it's nice to see that happen to the men. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just there's not that there's just not that much female nudity Extreme in the show. Bullshit. It's just extreme like just so yeah. many nuts acts, He's trying dude. to single-handedly offset all the... Uh, There's all a the- shot where... Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, He's all undoing the female, all... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a shot where Adam... Uh, uh, Adam Devine... Not Adam McKay. Adam Devine is powerlifting um, and Umama, on a bench. how divine. No, no. It's, it's not him. So, oh. it's his POV of the guy spotting him. Fuck yeah. And... It's a s- straight shot up this dude's shorts where one of his <laughs> one of his nuts is hanging out. There's no reason why that's in there. Great, but he just put it in there so that you had to see that dude's nuts out. Great, I love I-, I love seeing a ball as a punchline. Yeah, th- that character whose nuts you see later is wearing a full <laughs> gimp suit where only his dick is out. There's something beautiful the about the phrase guy. that character whose nuts you see. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something about that. It's, just, it's got like a sort of cellar door type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That character who's nuts you see. Like it has, it has like, a, like a weirdly melodic quality yep. to it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes these things just come to me. <laughs> um, Much as they come to uh, Mr. Divine. That's right. That's yep. right. Yeah. That uh, was me realizing I wasn't listening when you said his first name. <laughs> uh, Adam. So. Adam. Uh, okay. Uh, another one. Yep. This is a Top Gun-related news. Okay. 
uh, Top Gun Maverick star lied about not being afraid of flying. Top Gun Maverick star Danny Ramirez, who plays the pilot fanboy, fanboy. reveals that the he lied. The smallest character. <laughs> reveals, that, uh, re- reveals that he lied by signing a waiver stating that he wasn't afraid of flying. Right. I just thought it was interesting that someone in the company filmmaking thing thought of the idea to make all the actors sign a contract, like promising they're not afraid of flying. Well, it's tough anyway because, like, like what's a, what would the legal definition of afraid? Like, do you have to get diagnosed by a psych as having a phobia? Like, right? Phobias like, are just- a diagnosable thing, but you would you could just I don't know. <laughs> it's like very hard to prove. Yeah, I feel like you could be like, well, I don't love flying. Like, I'm uncomfortable on flights, but then you know that's not a phobia or whatever. Yeah, it's it's. It's wild. It's wild. But yeah, apparently, to get the audition, he had to um, uh, he had to sign a waiver saying he wasn't afraid of flying, and then found out that he would have to do like forty hours plus flight time <laughs> in part yeah, of the training no and all shit. this shit. Yeah, <laughs> good shit. What um, do you think? He's auditioning for Top Gun. Oh, I think it was like an off, off, off the cuff like uh, story that he told on Jimmy Kimmel or something. So right, it didn't sure. get too much here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Top Gun Maverick Studio paid US Navy more than $11,000 an hour for fighter jet rides. Yep. But sure. Tom Cruise wasn't allowed to touch the controls. We'll get into, get into this a bit later, but the way that they made it with, um, the way that they made the Top Gun Maverick film was really interesting in that a lot of the shots you see where the actors are in the cockpit, they are actually in the cockpit of a flying fighter jet that's doing maneuvers and it's shit. It's really, they're really doing that shit. But yeah. they've sort of got like a Navy guy up the front actually. Yeah, doing it's a two seater aircraft, and so they're sitting in the rear seat. In yeah. reality, but the way that it's filmed makes it seem like they're sitting in the only seat. Yeah, yeah. and I read that uh, there is th- there is a bit where Tom Cruise is actually flying a plane, mm. uh, and it's the bit where he's flying that uh, it's a Mustang like, propeller prop plane, plane yeah. that he's polishing up and stuff at the start yeah, of the yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, so a little bit of that kind of cool. I, I I don't know why, but at this point, I had kind of assumed that they would just let Tom Cruise fly a fighter jet. So part, well, he's part a of fully <laughs> qualified pilot, but I guess they can't do it with like, like military shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, maybe one last little headline. Uh, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery are going to have a film podcast coming out this year. Okay. Where they talk about uh, their experiences working at a vintel- video rental store together and talk about movies <laughs> that were big and popular uh, while they were renting out VHSs back in the day. So it's like a sort of a throwback into the archives nostalgia trip down sort of classic VHS movies. That will be interesting. But also, um, yeah, I don't know. Roger Avery's that dude where there was a bit of a... Uh, Quentin Tarantino was being a dick about who got the writing credits for what. And he was really salty about it with Pulp Fiction. That's that guy. Yeah, who, like, maybe. Yeah. wrote some of the stories that ended up going into the Pulp Fiction screenplay. Well, it was... The story is... Doesn't it go that um, Tarantino want, wanted all his films to say written and directed by Quentin Tarantino? But there's a yeah. very specific set of criteria that you need to have according to the SAG guidelines. Yeah. And so he left SAG over that to yeah. become a non-guild writer kind so that of he could just like do that anyway. Yeah. And to kind of not credit Roger Avery properly for the stories that he used. Yeah. Kind of while they're working together. I thought I read somewhere that they don't 
work together much anymore. But maybe that was a bit sort of dramatized. Yeah, maybe. I mean, clearly, right? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Anyway, also, it makes sense that Quentin Tarantino is going to, he's, he's mm. done with filmmaking except yeah. for that last one, but exactly. he's going to become a podcaster yeah. now. <laughs> Man, I, I like Quentin Tarantino's the movies. The worst thing. <laughs> but he is, yeah, imagine. I like Quentin Tarantino's movies, but he is like the most annoying man to hear That's speak. what I was going to say. I'm pretty sure it, that that podcast is not going to be good. I think yeah. the only thing that I would want is the cliff notes of what movies they talk about and why. <laughs> I don't actually yeah, want to yeah, listen yeah. to Quentin Tarantino. Who is it? Is it Fiona Apple that decided to give up cocaine because Quentin Tarantino wouldn't shut the fuck up? <laughs> And you can see, like, they filmed the conversation where she's like, at that point in time, yeah. I am deciding to quit Coke. That rules. I, I don't, I'm I don't, pretty I don't sure know it's Fiona Apple. Were they in a movie or something? Were they shot? No, it was like a doc- uh, like a doco or something. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll quickly Google it. But anyway. Um, yeah, wow. Okay, great. So, well, then- new podcast. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that's the, um, like, what their what their relationship is and stuff. Yeah. Um, one last headline. I know I said about the last one, but I forgot that I, I had this one here. Is that it's it's kind of related to Top Gun too. Kind of. It's it's strictly related to Top Gun two only. Okay. Uh, it's all about the box office. Top Gun two heads for record eighty five million dollars second weekend becomes Tom Cruise's biggest film. Uh, oh, that's kind of surprising. Top, yeah, I know, right? Top Gun. As I'm really straight from the Hollywood Reporter. Top Gun Maverick, which will end Sunday at uh, 190 million dollars domestically, mm. is enjoying the lowest drop in history for a film opening to 100 million or more. I don't, I don't know what that means. In its opening um, weekend, I think it means it broke 100 million dollars. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun. Hold on. Yes, it was Fiona Apple, by the way. The headline is Fiona Apple quit cocaine after a, quote, excruciating, end quote, night with Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and, and Paul Thomas Anderson. That rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the, the rest of the article here that I've been trying to yada, yada, yada through here is that it's predicted to get to $290 million by the end of some specific date here mm. that would define the end of the weekend. And they say that uh, on Saturday, Top Gun Maverick became Cruise's top grossing film domestically. Top gross. Yeah, uh, passing uh, War of the Worlds, which made two forty three million. Oh sure, uh, I would have thought it would be the Mission Impossible's. Yeah, Mission. Uh, the first Top Gun made one hundred and eighty million, and the Mission Impossible films, including the latest Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, made two twenty million domestically. Mm. And maybe that's like an opening weekend thing. I don't know. The, the, these stats are all a bit bullshit, but. Uh, all, all that is to say that this Top Gun Maverick movie has been insanely popular Very and popular, insanely yeah. big, and it's a big old blockbuster film. Mm. So uh, that's, that's what we're going to be talking it's about this week. It's a real action movie. Before we get into that, not much of a news, a bit of a stinker of a news segment this week. Sorry, no, boy. That's all right. uh, but we should, we should get into fault. a bit of. Well, you know. We've got to get out there and make some news. Go <laughs> <laughs> take my pants off and play in traffic. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow make it film related, preferably. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, should we uh, get into a bit of beefness or pleasure? Yeah. Let's shit do we've I got doing? a couple of things to talk about this week. So All right. Cool. We'll, we'll listen to the music. And in then... a huge twist, I've actually watched some movies. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, let's just, let's, just, let's just let the music play out first. Nice. Yep. Business or pleasure, of course, the segment where every week we spend uh, a strict 
dedicated amount of time studying uh, the movie of the week, the That's official right. movie for the pod. Yep. We watch the movie. We watch the making of shit on YouTube. That's it. Sometimes if I can find a good podcast with some of the creators, yep. I listen to that. Listen to that for a little bit. Yep. But, but at other times, we watch movies for our own personal enjoyment, for our pleasure rather than for leaveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we put a lot less effort into that stuff. So this segment here is devoted to the stuff that uh, we... This is the lax shit. Yeah, this is the stuff that we just watch for our own enjoyment. Yeah. And then when we finish it, we're like, oh, fuck, I could... I, I could tell our 20 listeners I about that. chat to them. Yeah. So and and we're not beholden to anyone in this segment, which is nice because, oh, yeah. you know, when we're talking about the feature film, the feature of the week, we, we know that we're accountable to you, the listening audience. Oh, we'll be, we'll be beholden. Because that's, we do that for you. Yeah. But this segment, this is for us. We'll be beholden so, now, big hairy yeah, nuts yeah, while we talk we about a movie. Style. <laughs> 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 That'd be funny. It's weird that he constantly throughout the children's cartoon is holding onto his nutsack. <laughs> That's why he's always carrying that big pot of honey. That's, it's right. to, it's That's why they call it a honey pot, brother. <laughs> Piglet, what you? No, I can't. I can't do any of the. Po- I can't do the. I was gonna try and do. You like can get a, there with practice. I, I was gonna try and do the like Winnie the Pooh doing the popcorn trick, but with a thing of honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's something. There's, there's something, something there. there yeah. yeah, okay. Very cool. good stuff. Um, uh, there's okay. something there. He says as he very, diff- very, very, yeah, there's something very in precisely there. <laughs> outlines exactly what it is. All right, uh, <laughs> I got a couple things. I'll, I'll whiz through them. I think it's been a little while. So if there's anything that I talk about that I talked about last week, just let me know. But I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not going to remember either. But great. Um, I uh, wasn't listening last time either. A few weeks ago, great. A few weeks ago, so I'm not going to be able to <laughs> discuss it in as much detail as I probably could have done. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Carl Brothers maybe raising Arizona. The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hide. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're going to go pick up Daddy. I'll be taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. <laughs> you busted out of jail. We released Krishaz on our own recognizance. What Double here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <gasps> we got a child now. Everything's changed. Yeah! Where's Junior? Who the hell are you? I'm a fan. We're absolutely going to get him back. Just ain't no question about that. Give me that baby, you warthog from hell! And you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. Let's go get Nathan Jr. Raising Arizona. A comedy beyond belief. Well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. 
This was fueled uh, off the back of our Nicholas Cage yeah, episode. This was fueled by uh, yeah the un- unbearable weight of massive talent. Nicholas Cage, uh, our last episode. Yeah, yeah, extravaganza uh, that we, that we had where we talked about all these other big films. Uh, Fuck, I love this movie, man. It was so much fun. It was Raising the best. Arizona. Raising yeah, Arizona. So, Nicolas sure. Cage is pretty young in this, and he plays this like uh, uh, goofy kind of ex-con guy that falls in love with the sheriff lady that keeps arresting him, uh, and they settle down, and instead of being able to have a kid, which they can't, they steal the baby from like this like local billion local millionaire who makes the news for having like octuplets. Right. And they're like, well they have octuplets. What are they You don't need you don't need yeah, eight. Right. Or, what, what, <laughs> Give or, me one. Whatever it is. It's like five babies or some shit. So they steal the baby and it's this whole sort of farcical caper uh, around stealing this baby and trying to raise it as their own while they're on the run from the cops. And the best bit about it is that Nicolas Cage uh, is moving like a fucking Looney Tunes character the whole time. It's the most physical performance. It reminds me of like a <laughs> Like a Jim, Jim Carrey. It's like a Jim Carrey thing, man. And he's he's got like this rubber ass face and this hair that's always like all over the place, like some sort of like. Yeah, I think a fair few of the like memes that you see of uh, Nick Cage are from. Raising yeah, Arizona. that one where he's 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 got the big bug eyes and he's like got his mouth wide open, going like uh huh, yeah, uh-huh. like that's yeah. that's from this movie. It's it was the most fun I've ever had watching a movie in ages. Watching Raising Arizona, it's so silly and funny and heartfelt, and Nicolas Cage is fucking great in it mm. uh, so I can highly recommend that okay and then more recently I watched uh, the Bob's Burgers movie are you hungry for something good something juicy how are you doing what? something beefy Hot burgers, sexy burgers. Lynn. What? It's summer and sex sells, baby. Big things are coming for summer, Tina. Take off those bulky jeans to be more aerodynamic. Oh, you're doing it already. Great. Big things like that heat rash you get sometimes. Bigger. Stay low, follow my lead. Come, come see. The gasp is great. Thank you. Like this? <gasps> I think we got it. That last one was good. Okay. Not what I was expecting. Not the ball. I'm the marketing department. I took Gene's burger suit, let out the crotch a little bit, and bam. A burger with a bikini on it? Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. No questions from this guy. Yeah, which I didn't even know is is out. Um, uh, I'd so, never heard of it. Sort of me neither. But my uh, my housemates and I are fans of Bob's Burgers. Mm. Uh, we watch it, you know, every now and then. Watch so it together. For for, uh, for you for you dumb fucks on the other end of this uh, this microphone cable. Um, <laughs> sorry, I feel bad calling you dumb fucks. Uh, people probably know Archer the series yeah. much more than they would know Bob's Burgers. But um, the, the link there is the same. Uh, H. H. John Benjamin does the voice of the main character of both shows. I don't know if there's writing overlap. I'm not entirely sure, but it's 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 like a. I feel like they've done a crossover episode. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, at least there's some an sort of Archer joke where he's in Bob's Burgers. Yeah, 
Uh, and so I don't know if they're owned by the same network yeah. or whatever. But yeah. It's like a little silly family cartoon about uh, a guy named Bob who runs a burger restaurant. He's got three kids and a wife that's kind of a, uh, a goof and you know, but whatever. It's it's just about this. It's just a cartoon about a burger restaurant. It's sort uh, of almost got like a Simpsons esque quality of yeah. like sm- small business or like suburban living kind of yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it's 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 more like cute and wholesome rather than like cynical or like. Uh, bombastic yeah it's a, it's a good fun though it's a great cartoon and the movie is like a big long two hour episode of Bob's Burgers right, so sure, if you yeah. like Bob's Burgers go watch the movie it's it's a ton of fun mm. uh, there's there's a, there's a few songs that made me forget that Bob's Burgers sometimes has songs and they're cute uh, the animation oh, is that. really cool yeah well the, the animation is really cool mm. uh, it's like a bit you know how the, the Simpsons movie looked a bit more 3D and a bit better than a normal Simpsons episode. Yeah, they just put a stroke filter on everything or whatever. Right, well, yeah. it's kind of like that. Right, so okay, this, sure. movie, this, this movie is like a bit... The animation's like got a bit more depth to it and it's a bit mm. a bit better. But no, it's a fucking great movie. If, if you like Bob's Burgers, the Bob's Burgers movie is worth... It's probably not worth running out to see... Really going out of your way, yeah, sure. In the cinema. Unless you're a big fan. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Glad, glad I saw it. It's a nice little outing with the housemates. So, mm. that's uh, that was that. Yep. Okay. So, you got... Those are your two? Those, those are my two. I also watched Notting Hill, but I wasn't really in the mood for it. And I think it was, like, just fine. Mm. But I think if I went back and watched it again and I was in it more of a wholesome mood, more. then I might enjoy it more. Okay. But yeah, sure. that's it. Raising Arizona, Bob's Burgers movie. Both, both recommends. Both thumbs ups. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, okay. Well, I watched uh, for the first time in my life um, <laughs> The Godfather. Oh, fuck. And The Godfather Part 2. So, obviously. Um, Still Godfathering. <laughs> <laughs> My father's no different than any other powerful man who's responsible for other people. I had this part in the picture. It puts me right back up on top again. This Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. He says there's no chance. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. You know my father? Men are coming here to kill him. Now you want to get mixed up in the family business? I thought you weren't going to become a man like your father. I never wanted this for you. Freedom, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. Satan and all his works. I do renounce him. Don't ask me about my business, King. Is it true? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli.
I think I watched The Godfather years ago when I was a bit too young and sort of got a bit bored by it. So, what did you think? Uh, they're they're fantastic. Like, obviously, um, masterpieces. I don't know why I've waited this long to go back in on um, Francis Ford. Well, not go back in. Go in on Francis Ford Coppola's films because uh, for this podcast, I watched. Uh, Apocalypse Now, yeah, um, loved it, and turned out it's like one of my favorite films. Obviously, because I'm yeah. just a, I'm just a 28 year old white guy. So That's right, of course. So where where would you put rules. the Godfather straight up in terms of a comparison between this and Apocalypse Now? Which one's taken the cake for top tier movie? Um, it's tough to say because so I think they're of equal quality, and it's they're just going for like extremely different things. Yeah. Um, and it kind of speaks to his talent as a filmmaker that he's able to do such different because like obviously Apocalypse Now is is the uh, H H writer Conrad Conrad novel of like Heart of Darkness kind yeah. of that um you know Vietnam War uh, story of like descending into uh the madness of enemy territory and kind of losing your mind a little bit whereas Godfather yeah, yeah, yeah. is like very grounded stories of it's it's i feel like you know i'm not sure what this was influenced by but it is clear i think it was a book it was a book yeah but but like in terms of the filmmaking choices or whatever oh, um, right. uh, uh, it, it was a book that's correct probably influenced by the book mario P- puzzo or something i can't remember the name of the guy that co-wrote it but yeah mario puzzo how do i fucking Damn. remember Looks like that you can remember the name of the guy <laughs> who wrote it um you don't need to fucking lie to impress me, bitch. I guess the point is, so the the original Godfather came out in 1972, so it's old as fuck, right? 50th yeah. anniversary just came up. Um, and the Godfather in the movie, he's old he as fuck as well. He is also old as fuck, Marlon Brando. Yeah, that's correct. So the movie's got a cumulative like 100 years sitting behind it that's, at this point. It must do, yeah. Um, that's kind of a dumb way to think about it, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it... Uh, I don't really know how to start talking about it because it's the fucking Godfather. You I don't know, know anything I've about it. Does it tell it. one specific story about? Uh, yeah, so the basically, father of gods himself. Uh, Marlon Brando plays Don Vito Corleone, uh, who is the referred to as the Godfather, um, who is the head of the Corleone family, one of the most powerful uh, mafia families in the area that they're in, uh, New right. York, maybe, but whatever. Right, um, and. He has uh, sort of two sons by birth and one son by almost like adoption. One thing I do know about this movie yep. is that there is like a... Uh, his, his, his daughter gets married and on the day of his daughter's wedding, everyone leaves him alone and respects that private family moment. Yeah, that's right. And doesn't yeah. ask anything of him yeah, on the day of his daughter's right. wedding. So, uh, yeah, the opening scene is... Um, the, on the day of his daughter's wedding, and it's, I think it's a Sicilian tradition, <laughs> they say, that on that day, you can't refuse any request that comes to you. Right. So, that's why on that day, it starts the day with of his daughter's wedding. all of these people coming and asking him for shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, it's kind of the story about him trying to... Um, it's a story about like the decay of, of legacy, which I think um, if you look at the work of Scorsese as well, yeah. Scorsese was clearly influenced and maybe like, you know, I think he's trying to say similar things in, in like um, the Irishman, for example. in the Irishman. Exactly. Um, but this is about <laughs> basically the guy, uh, the, the, the Godfather trying to maintain a certain way of uh, uh, a certain way of, um, his family holding power right. and in the face of all of these changing uh, 
dynamics and new like so for example someone comes to him with this offer about like oh do you want to get in on this narcotics trade with me and he says like no i gambling is fine um all this other shit that we do is fine but drugs is like a dirty business you know and and so but pretty fucking cool business though isn't it well, yeah, but it means that there's people who then are like, oh, this fucking dinosaur doesn't know how the new world is going to look and he doesn't want to change yeah, with the times. Cool. So, so we've got to do something about him. I feel dumb asking him more about The Godfather, but it sounds like it's more of like a slow, vibey kind of movie in the same way as maybe Apocalypse Now is slow and vibey and it can still be impressionistic. Yeah, I mean, I think... Like that? Yes, but it's much less impressionistic because it doesn't do the like sort of distorted, not distorted reality, yeah. but you know but what I mean. But this isn't like Scarface with the fucking no. Gun, it's so much more grounded than that. No, no, it's so much more grounded than that. This is this is like it's like a family drama, basically. Yeah, cool. Like a family crime drama, um, you know, in the context of like this. Uh, Italo-American migrant family. Yeah, And yeah, it is yeah. a migrant story. It's a story of, like, coming to this place and, and especially the Godfather Part Two, which yeah. goes back to Robert De Niro playing a young version of uh, Marlon Brando's character. And you see him... He, the, he, you see him as a as a kid come to America. He's a yeah. mu- a mute child, um, and so he like you see him making his way with people's like friendly people's help. You see how he. Uh, sets himself up in a neighborhood that's run by this other Don and ends up like kind of realizing that everyone bows down to this idiot for no real reason. And yeah. he's the first one to kind of be like, maybe I can do something about this fuckwit. And so you you see his rise to power and how he becomes like a respected man. So this would um, be like in the same vein as like a Goodfellas kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, well, I think good. that's kind of what I'm talking about with like, I don't know what this was influenced by, but it's so clear how much this has influenced so yeah. many filmmakers over the years. Like Scorsese, uh, even, um, you know, you, you then like people who... Uh, were influenced by Scorsese, like um, yeah, yeah. the Joe, Todd Phillips, you know, like yeah. that. So I think that the legacy of The Godfather is like so pervasive that it's kind of difficult to talk about in its own right. You almost have to talk about it as like an influential piece, right? So would you recommend people? So uh, this reminds me of the way that They've I aged sometimes incredibly well. well that was going to be my question, question. Yeah. yeah, because like you, you talk about like for example, I I'm a uh, I'm a casual fan of. Uh, the Odd Beetle, and if you listen to Sgt. Pepper's, uh, the Sgt. Pepper album, a lot of people tell me, and I can't really listen to it in a vacuum, a lot of people tell me like that it's clearly aged, uh, and you c- it sort of feels like a very outdated music, but you, right. you can see like what is influ- what that album influenced, what albums were influenced by those, and on and on and on, and so it's almost like more of a historical curio to a lot of people. Mm. Where it's like, well, th- there's like better stuff that exists that's been influenced by this, and this is like a, st- a jumping-off point, right? That maybe doesn't sound as groundbreaking today. So I suppose my question is: Does do you relate to that with the Godfather? Is the Godfather like a, a bit of a film history curio that if someone's like, I fucking love Goodfellas, I love the Joker, would you be like, yeah, go back and check out the Godfather, or is this more like a? Yeah, I think you know what I mean. I think it's one of the. So I mean, like, there's it. It's not. Uh, it has not shown the cracks of time really at all. Yeah, I think cool. that the script is excellent. I think that the writing feels very modern. Um, it's it's rooted in this like quite specific context of you know this, this mob stuff and the way that um, they like sometimes they speak full Italian. 
Great. And sometimes they subtitle it and sometimes they don't subtitle it. And I guess yeah, that's yeah. making statements about like, this is a conversation that you need to be a part of as an audience member, or this is a conversation that's between these two characters. And if you speak the language, you can get it. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. but it, it, it truly is like, well, the, I kind of treat them as one thing, but they, they both truly are like two of the best scripts ever written. Yeah, and cool. So I don't think that they really show their age particularly poorly. I also watched it on... So, I bought them on 4K. Um, okay. And so, I'm assuming there's been work done to, like, remaster them and re- kind of, like, re- revitalize all of the sound and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What that does mean is, compared to when you first would have seen them, sometimes there's, like... Because I'm watching it on probably a bigger screen than a lot of the... You know, besides, like, when you went and saw it once in the yeah. cinema. Watching it on a big screen, sometimes you see that, like, the ADR that they've done, the dialogue doesn't quite line up with oh, the really? performance <laughs> on screen. But it's very rare. And I don't think I've ever seen a movie from that kind of era, like Chinatown or whatever. Yeah. You know, that doesn't have the funny quirks of the technology that they were using at the time yeah, show yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But I think that is really the only way that this shows its age in any way that is negative, right? I It looks... They, they both look absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think that... I'm not a cinematographer, but... Um, I am confident that this would have uh, informed so many cinematographers' eyes for... I mean, I think this guy pioneered the what they call... I don't know, there's probably a different word for it, but the panda lighting where it's lit from the top. And so the... Uh, especially Marlon Brando's Godfather is is shrouded. His eyes are shrouded in the darkness from his eyebrows, which yeah. sounds kind of funny. But but it, what it does is it. <laughs> it's exactly how you're lit right now. You're trying to describe it, I'm right? Like, yeah, bro, just, I know. Yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a study in front of me. Um, but it means that like you know, there's there's schools of thought around like when you when you're filming a performance, you, you know the the eyes are the window to the soul. You're supposed to be able to see the eyes, so you're yeah. making a very conscious choice when you're shrouding those in darkness that you want to obscure the yeah, emotion cool. of the character and so there's choices that are made like that um and like the way that al pacino so al pacino plays uh, his the 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 godfather's youngest son michael corleone and he uh kind of pisses off his entire family because right at the start of the Fuck story yeah. he's you find out that he's run off and joined the military to fight in the Second World War, and he's gone off and become a war hero, right. which means that he's like he. They talk about him as, a, ironically, a civilian. He's not part of the family. Well, yeah. he's part. He's in the family, but he, part of the crime. But business. he's protected from any. So no one's ever gonna like you know make a move on him or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he comes back and sort of gets dragged back in unwillingly, and it's something that. Um, Marlon Brando's character didn't really want to happen, but kind of it becomes unavoidable because he's like, "Well, if you don't help, if you don't help, the family's going to fall apart." Yeah, cool. And, and so it's this. I think the reason why it holds up so well is there's so many characters that you get to know. It's really only the the family, really, but there's enough of them that there's always these complex dynamics going on. But the tension between what characters want and what they have to do and what they're able to do is always really great. Yeah, um, I watch it. You sound like you're being quite careful about it. Did you enjoy it? Was it good? Did oh, you yeah, love it? I loved it. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. I don't want to be like too yeah fucking big brained on like oh the Godfather's pretty good, huh? Oh, and you just sounded like you were talking about it quite precisely. I'm trying like, to, oh, I suppose that I liked it or whatever. No, I'm trying to say things that I think people might not have heard about it. Yeah, or okay. might not have heard it talked about in a certain way. Also, just like so, Al Pacino plays 
uh, so Marlon Brando's character, his character arc over the two movies, he's sort of, you know, he's growing older, he's getting less powerful and less influential. And as that happens, Al Pacino's character kind of becomes more powerful and more influential. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, sorry, the reason I was bringing that up is because you see the lighting over the court, the way that Al Pacino's character is lit starts off very bright and like he's not, any, he's lit quite starkly oh, in contrast. And then over the course of the whole two movies, by the end of the second film, you're starting to see him visually depicted in a very similar way to the way that Marlon oh, Brando's cool. characters. So yeah, it's, right, they're doing yeah. really, really stuff that, you know, like these filmmakers in the 70s didn't have references for. They were, those were where the ideas kind of came from, or at the very least. That's really interesting. The, that's where we understand the modern touch points of these cinematic yeah. ideas come from. Al Pacino is rapidly becoming maybe my favorite actor. That's it. Um, He's so fucking good And you get so heat, much man. screen time. He's so good in Heat. If you liked his performance in Heat, you're going to find him fucking magnetic in these films. Is he a similar kind of vibe? In he- He's in not the- as unhinged. Oh, it's right. much more... Yeah. He's... The way his eyes... The way that he looks around the room is just him. Like, I think that's yeah. not... I thought that was kind of him doing character work in Heat, but that restlessness of his gaze is very much present in this yeah, too. Yeah, cool. And what it always does is it makes you feel like he's... He's always got one part of his brain scanning the room, making sure that no yeah. one's going to fucking pull something on him. Have you seen Midnight Cowboy? No, I haven't. I'm going to go back in on... I think I'm going to do like a deep dive on Pacino's filmography. I think you'd find Midnight Cowboy really interesting because the character he plays in that is, that is Sydney this Lumet? like... Oh, I don't know. I think so, yeah. It's He plays... Uh, Al Pacino's in it, but he plays this like grubby, scummy... Con man, this like sniveling small character. Yeah, it's right. something that you don't really see him do very much. He's like a bit of a conniving con man type guy, mm. uh, but in like a yeah, in a very like in like a very shitty uh, kind of low life kind of way about him. Like he sort of lives in this filthy abandoned apartment, like a bottom and, like, feeder. steals food and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think you find it really interesting. That is interesting. That yeah. does sound interesting. I really want to watch uh, Dog Day Afternoon, which is Sidney Lumet, and uh, and actually Serpico. Because so, he, he kind of, you know, I always thought, and I probably talked about this a little bit before when we've talked about Al Pacino previously on the podcast, but I always th- grouped him in the same uh, group of actors as like your Sylvester Stallone's, your... Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought oh. he was like an action movie oh, hero, no. and so I just was not really interested in him as, really a, as, a, yeah. as a career at all. But he's—I was so misguided there. Like he's such a—he he made his way up in those like kind of Italian yeah. or crime or cop films. So that's kind of where I was getting the action thing from. But he does such deep character work. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's so nuanced. (laughs) Like, I think those guys in the action films often aren't bad actors either. I mean, like Stallone, you know, it's a question mark. But like, but the, the, the theatricality of his performances is so fucking compelling to me. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, I just really want to, yeah, I really want to go back in and see oh, like cool, a man. lot well, of his earlier work. <laughs> you might have convinced me to watch The Godfather. So I'll go do that. <laughs> it's, I think, yeah, definitely if you watched it as a kid or when you were younger and just it didn't really click, I could Yeah, I think understand. I probably got halfway through it when I was a bit young and I was like, oh, I don't really, I'm not really into this. So yeah, like, the slow pacing is, is something that I found quite, you know, um, entertaining this time. I, I will say they're long movies, obviously. Um, Godfather is three hours and then Godfather Part 2 is even longer than that. Jesus. Um, but really, so I watched them over two sessions because yeah. I started them too late at night and then I had to go to bed. Um, but 
I was breezing through them. Yeah, like there yeah, was, yeah. it didn't feel like no part dragged. Some people talked about the pacing issues, but I don't really think there was that there were pacing problems, especially not in part two. Yeah, cool. Um, there's just a lot of story to tell. So anyway, All right. I'll wrap it up there. But uh, yeah, uh, for the considering that I'm 28 and I only ever seen them for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. They they lived up to expectations, and I understand why they're talked about the way that they are. And if you've never seen them, and you're at all interested in that type of like really compelling writing, really compelling performances, um, then I would recommend going in on them. Yeah, cool. And, all right. And I think final note. I think like um, these these kind of like mob films and Italian mafia films. They're like literally. I mean, it's called the fucking Godfather. Like they're incredibly patriarchal. Yeah. So it's all about like what these men are doing to each other and i th- i feel like you know shows like the sopranos explored that a lot more of like well what the fuck is going on with all the women in these families yeah i think this does start to there's just a twinkle in the eye where it's starting to be like how are the surrounding people to these men affected by their life yeah and yeah. there's a few moments in the film where i i was i started to feel like maybe especially in part two with um al pacino's al pacino's wife um i can't remember the actress's name she's not very familiar to me that's all right um but anyway uh she i thought that she was quite a passive character right and then in the second film she makes a few choices that uh, where I was like, oh, they didn't. He didn't need to to do this. Like, it's it just seems like he's given her like a lot more agency than you, maybe you would expect. Yeah, well, I suppose it shows he's using his runtime. Whatever. We can't talk about exactly. the Godfather for half an hour. Okay, if I sorry. Seen it, so yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yes, but but uh, great movies. Go watch I'd the Godfather. Go yeah. Uh, recommended. Sorry to have to recommend the Godfather, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, all right. It was interesting watching them for the first time. Welcome to the time code jump. <laughs> great. Yep. <laughs> Yep. For for all the people that were uh, like, yes, yes, The Godfather. What are you going to tell yeah, us to yeah, watch next? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, literally. You know, I feel stupid recommending something that's no, been on no, every no, top no. 10 list forever. No, that was it. To, to be honest, I've never been very interested in seeing it, but now you, you might have solved yeah, it. Yeah, I reckon the, it's worth it. The last thing before you turn to the Top Gun that I forgot to mention before is that I've been watching off your recommendation, but now I think I'm further ahead than you are. I've been watching Better Call Saul. Yes. I've watched like five seasons yeah, of Better Call yeah, Saul yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Which I've only got up to the end of season one. Fucking great show. Mm. Awesome show. It's on Stan, uh, yeah. uh, and it's, uh, it's scratching that Breaking Bad itch all over again. I could never get into it before because the first two episodes are quite slow and not not very engaging. I don't think, but mm. after you get past those first two episodes, it sort of sets stuff up. Fucking ripper of a show. It's awesome. Yeah, and, and I think it, it's going for a very different thing to what Breaking Bad is going for. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm enjoying it for similar quality. reasons, but I, I'm yeah. really enjoying uh, watching Saul Goodman start off as Jimmy McGill, who is like an honest good man who is trying Funny. to um yeah who is like act, trying to make an earnest go of becoming a lawyer and is always like pulled back into having to do dodgy stuff mm. sort of against his better better instincts and he's always like oh I'll just do I'll do this shit thing just this once just to get ahead and then I'll be fine and you just watch him do that like just this once move which again is exactly and again what and happens again. to Walter White right and then yeah. I guess you know the character comes out eventually as like well yeah I could have stopped and yeah. I didn't want to yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So it's a similar sort of shit. Fucking great show. Mm. I think that you probably don't 
you don't need to have watched Breaking Bad to enjoy it, but I think it definitely helps. You if don't you watch have Breaking to watch Bad. Breaking Bad to work here, but it helps. Yeah, right. Because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of like references and setups for like a lot of characters that are introduced in Better Call Saul that go on to be in Breaking Bad, like Mike Ehrman Trout and stuff. Yeah, yeah and Gus Gus Fring uh, right. appears in Better Call Saul. Uh, in a way where that would be a lot more compelling if you knew like what was what, what was happens. coming there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that's probably it. That's best. That's our beefness or pleasure segment for the week. So we're going to start talking about Top Gun Maverick. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special, fellas. This here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage the expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Come on! Jeez! Haven't any fun yet? You've probably just heard two minutes of planes whooshing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, I just saw this. We both just saw this yesterday. So we mm, come fresh out fresh of the cinema, off the runway. Uh, I, I'll start off with what I thought. Always a good start. I really enjoyed all the action sequences. Yep. I thought every time they were flying in planes, I was right on the edge of my seat. We mentioned a bit earlier, but a lot of the plane. St- anytime you see an uh, an actor flying a plane, they are actually in an F eighteen fighter jet that is actually flying. And usually actually doing what they are right. implying that they're, they're doing. They're flying upside down. They're doing loops. They're, they're, um, they're pulling G-forces. Yep. Uh, so, that's fucking awesome to watch. Mm. I think the original Top Gun back in the 80s, they sort of did a lot of jets on a soundstage with sort of spinning colors behind them on a screen. Yeah. So, this is like a huge step forward. Um, but I will say... 
all the drama when they're on the ground and all of the dialogue is some of the cheesiest, worst dialogue I've ever seen in a movie. I think very on brand. I'm keen to hear what you think. I think it feels... Exactly the same as the first Top Gun in terms of style and well, so writing. And am I right in saying you have not seen the original? I have you, seen the original. You have seen, okay. a, little, a little while ago. I have not seen the original ever, so right. I can't just can't make the comparison. Um, yeah, but yeah, it did feel extremely. So for me, that meant that when when with when I was experiencing that um, very cliched dialogue, yeah. I wasn't sure how much of that was because so much of that, so much of it is the talk about like the job or the military or like what the point of doing all this is. Yeah, and I just wasn't sure how much of that came from. We're trying to echo the tone and the heart and the soul of the first film versus this is a film that is explicitly military propaganda. Well, the how first much are one they is trying. It is also the first one is exactly the same. Totally. So, yeah. how much are they trying to or that kind of struck me as just trying to sell the military in a yeah. way that was broadly accessible of like these people are heroes, this is your destiny, yeah, whatever. Well, the the glory of the US military stuff yeah. didn't really go. I thought they did a good job of explaining why the mission that they have to do in the movie is important. They were like <laughs> They did a fuck it. I, uh, we'll talk about it. In a very this. breezy, light Terrible touch, like, job. blah, 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 here's what you have to do. I thought yeah. they came up with something that sounded important. They were like, there's some country developing nuclear it's, weapons. So, it's the country is Iran, but they never mention it by name. Yeah. Because that's the country that has a developing nuclear refinement program that the US would love to stop. <laughs> right. So, I could sort of see an argument there, and I, I, it's not, not a discussion about fucking geopolitical politics yeah, type yeah. thing or whatever. I thought that part was fine. It wasn't like we're going to go bomb some random dude. It was like, no, there's there's, there's this like imminent threat here. But the bits yeah. that I didn't really get was like the, all the sort of frat bro jock kind of culture. The volleyball stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, I just sort of wasn't really convinced by all the sort of, um, all the banter that the these oh, like- Oh, the writing these- of the bar scene at the start where they're yeah. all like introducing each other and they're like, oh, that's, yeah. that's Hangman, blah, blah, that's blah, That's Hangman. Blah, blah. He always leaves you out to dry. Yeah. That's why we call it, him Hangman. It's like, that shit was- Painful Quite painful Yeah There was a lot of like Every single The funniest bit in the movie for me Was listening to the guy behind me Die laughing at every single joke Like There was like At a silent cinema Thank god (laughs) Yeah Like there there was some fucking screen There was some like I can't think of a single joke Because they were all so lame But there was like a A bit where some dude Will pull off a good maneuver And someone will be like You look good And he's like I am good And pulls this little like wink And that's supposed to be a joke Like he does That's like his catchphrase Is people telling him That look good And he'll be like I am good And like it's just so like Ugh Painfully pretty, Pretty bad Painfully cheesy I can't think of a single uh, a single other example other than just to say that like the dialogue is I think good if you're watching it with a crew and if you had a few bevs mm. you'd be enjoying it but like while it was happening in the movie I was like shut up get back in the plane get, just get back in the plane yeah. all I want to say is and when the plane stuff is happening it is so sick yeah and it's it's sick because it's just really happening yeah you're just really watching them do that shit yeah um, which is like obviously thrilling, um, I think there was. So people are talking so highly about this movie. I think it is getting overhyped. Absolutely, it's I- not like a it. 
it's doing an extremely specific thing that's, yeah. uh, you know, even the creators of the film have said, like, nothing like this might ever get made again. Yeah. And I think they're kind of right. Like, maybe, uh, I think Tom Cruise is, this is what he does. Yeah. And I don't think anyone else is doing it. So, no. someone else is going to have to start yeah. because no one else is, uh, in, th- in this budget, with this level of ambition and this amount of disregard for their own... I mean, like, I know that they're obsessed with safety on these types of sets, yeah. but, like, disregard for... They could have done it in CG on, limitations. on a Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, no one else is doing it. And for that, like, obviously, Tom Cruise is a despicable yeah. person. Right. <laughs> but in terms of making films, it's... I see him and, like, Christopher Nolan sort of similarly, even yeah, though yeah. I like his films a lot more than I like Nolan's usually. Um that, oh, that might not be true. Anyway, they both want to do it for real. Yeah. Uh, unless they literally can't. And most of the time... Wait, do you say you like Tom Cruise more than you like Nolan? I think no. so, but then I kind of disagree That's with That's crazy, all right. Uh, <laughs> for what they're going... Anyway, yeah. you know... The practical effects for. are what sells you on it. Yeah. Exactly. But, but And you would normally think, like, you know, you, you talk about, like, a um, tenant where they, they really drove a Boeing into an airport hangar or an airport wi- uh, wing or whatever the fuck you call it, a terminal. Yeah. Um, Similarly, this is really doing the aerial combat acrobatics yeah. minus the bullets that these planes want to do. And that is very compelling to watch. I think the big... Uh, when I logged it on Letterboxd, I originally gave it a three and a half and I bumped it up to four because I thought, nah, fuck. Like, the thrilling... Uh, exciting suspenseful nature of watching all that stuff particularly in the second and third act yep. was so much fun to watch yeah. that I thought that experience was worth like really rating this film highly but overall I think this was probably a, like a like a everything else about this movie was like average it was yeah, like it was like a 4.5 yeah, 5 out of 10 the characters like there was no th- there was all this existing exposition they had to set up between Tom Cruise and Rooster mm. where you're like wait are they I honestly wasn't sure for a bit that, like whether they lived together as like stepfather and stepson. Oh right. Or or like whether this was the first time they were meeting. Yeah. No, or no, whether no. they worked yeah. together. Like all these like existing character dynamics. Like I wasn't really sure about. Mm. Um, and then all the dialogue that is just cheesy and bullshit. All the. Uh, a lot of exposition and story work that I think in any other movie that didn't have this action stuff would have really brought it down. I think that, like, in terms of Tom Cruise movies, uh, this is the best action of one of the best sort of sequences of action I've ever seen. But, like, I think Mission Impossible Fallout is a way better movie. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's it's better written. Um, yeah. This, uh, so much of the story in this one relies on, and the drama, as you say, relies on. Uh, lore from the first movie yeah that is not interesting at all really I mean like no. it's very thin well I think you know Miles Teller's angry at Tom Cruise for two reasons not really because he killed his dad yeah mostly because uh, he pulled his application for flight school and put him back four years in his career that's a bit that I thought like why would you make that like who gives a fuck about that yeah it's very hard to it's yeah. like yeah but he's doing it now so like I get that he's resentful but yeah. he just made him work harder you know or like I get that yeah. that would probably suck but it was hard it's not very compelling it wasn't and particularly because it's, it's all just sort of felt a bit loose it's like well yeah Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise is in the plane when Goose died and they say like he were cleared of any wrongdoing so maybe they were like well maybe maybe Rooster is a smart guy and it's been 20 years and he's like I'm not gonna 
begrudge you that, so they need mm. some other reason behind it. But it still didn't feel very. It sort of felt like it was pulled out of nowhere. Yeah, I think and it would have like, been easier to like rest on the father's death thing because it's much yeah. harder to forgive. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that like, yeah, that's a good point because Rooster like actively hates Tom Cruise. I think it would have been better if there was like a bit of bitter, a bit of bitter resentment that yeah, they had to exactly. work towards. Yeah. I, I, all in all, though, I thought Miles Teller was fucking cool in this. Like, I thought the the piano scene in the bar, while it felt a bit contrived, I, th- I thought that was really fun. Mm. Uh, and he looks so sick in that, like, open Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's having a good singlet time. combo. He looks fucking awesome in that outfit. Yeah. Uh, he, I think, so, okay, sorry, n- not Miles Teller. Yeah. I reckon the best part of this film, and in terms of the, the story, the only parts that I enjoyed right. were when Jennifer Connelly was on screen. She was because good. Because she, I think, gives the standout best performance in the film in any of the bits where you're not in a plane. Yeah. I think everyone else is just doing, like, sort of... They're not doing shallow work, but the character is very shallow. Yeah. And for Jennifer Connelly, she still manages to put so much emotion into the the conflict that she feels about Tom Cruise's character. Yeah. Um, the fun that she has kind of like toying with him in a playful way. The... Um, uh, you know, feeling that she needs to be a responsible mother. She's really cool in the movie as yeah, well. Yeah, I think she just, she's a, like, absolute standout. She was, the, in my opinion, the only thing that elevated the drama beyond, like, complete mediocrity. Yeah. So, I think if she wasn't in it, it would have been like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah I think you could probably up. describe to me again, though, like, if someone was to explain it to me, I'd probably agree with you. If you came up with some reasons why that she was a bit of, like, a male fantasy kind of Oh, I'm sure. Kind of and thing. the relationship between the two of them felt very forced yeah um so it wasn't that the story was good it's that i think she did a great job with the material she was given i think a lot of the story felt very like there's just so many scenes of tom cruise with jennifer connelly like on the back of the motorcycle sort of hugging him for like no reason they're just like (laughs) yeah yeah. cruising around like that like she's got that beautiful porsche yeah, right. And she's and they just, never on. Yeah, she's always just, like perched on the back of Tom Cruise's motorcycle. She just rests on that car once. Right. Yeah. Um, I did think so. Fuck. Wait, when that sequence with the Porsche with Jennifer Connelly that begins the Porsche, I was literally like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I. This is funny. I spent the entire film. No joke. The right. entire film. Uh, the end credits is when I realized. Thinking so, there's one of the guys in the planes called Bob. His that's his yeah. call sign, yeah. and it's also his name. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, I thought that this was the best performance that I'd ever seen by Tom Holland. <laughs> I genuinely spent it. the entire <laughs> film thinking, yeah, it's crazy that they got Tom Holland in for that small yeah. of a part. Yeah, but he's doing really well. That's why he's just—it's like a transformative <laughs> performance. It's not Tom Holland; it's Lewis Pullman, a completely different it's like actor. A completely different actor. <laughs> um, Son of Bill Pullman, actually. Yeah, right. But yeah, I—I uh, I thought actually he was the second best performance in the whole film. But I did. Now it's hard. I told Laura that, and she was like, "Well, yeah, that's because you thought he was a different person." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I think he still did a really yeah. good job. I thought uh, we we watched a little bit of making of stuff before we started recording. I think it's kind of mm. interesting the way they did it. So they've got like a navy pilot piloting the jet, and the actor is in the back seat. But it looks like the actor, like surely that means if you know anything about jets, 
I'm sure this movie is unwatchable for pilots. Well, he's clearly in the backseat. Whatever. Um, So all of the actors are like actually flying in the jets. They apparently... um, they reckon, well, and they've got two different types of planes. Sorry, this does kind of matter. They've got two different types of planes. So they operate in teams of two. The front plane is the one with the missiles, and they lead the way. They're the squad leader or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And then the back plane, and that's one seat. And yeah. then the back plane has two seats, one of which is for the pilot, and the other one is of which is for the person who's targeting the laser for the bombs in the first plane. So they kind of have three people in each team, right? Yeah. But it means that I was like. Are there two different types of planes? Like they're not really talking about this. This is weird. I think that's the bit you have to anyway, watch yeah, about. So, yeah. yeah. But like in, in the cockpits, they have um six IMAX cameras that they've fitted into each cockpit. Mm. And apparently the one of the key bits of tech that led them to do this was that Sony developed a camera where the the lens and image sensor is completely separate from the like the rest of the body and the processing unit. Right. So they could tuck all those bodies like under seats and stuff. Yeah. And they yeah, said, yeah. like, remove, like, what's that? A targeting system? We'll fuck that out and we'll put another camera in. Yeah. There. yeah. And then Get that had, headrest like, out of the fucking way. Yeah. yeah. They have six camera lenses pointed in, in the jet. Mm. For every single jet. So I think that's one of the reasons why he said that they ended up shooting like 800 hours of footage or something. Yeah, because shit. like for every minute, they're getting like six, six minutes. Feeds. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there was like two at each side of the plane and a wide and a close up on the actor and all this shit. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. Something I didn't know. So they said that they had jets with cameras made on the outside as well doing, doing the filming, which yep. is wild. But yeah, because so- there's a whole ass other plane in this sequence that you not that you never see. Yeah, yeah. Um, something I want to know because there's loads of scenes where you see like jets like wingtip to wingtip doing maneuvers and stuff. Mm. I can't, I want to know whether that stuff is done is filmed practically as well. I'm pretty sure it would be because like yeah. I, my dad's like a. Um, He's not a military guy, but he's a big fan of like military history. So I've been to yeah. a lot of air shows and stuff. And when they do, like I've seen the Blue Angels fly and yeah. the whatever the Australian version like of the Blue Angels. They can just do that. They really yeah. just do that shit. And you're yeah. like, fuck, they are so, they're like a meter apart. Yeah. And they're yeah, going yeah. like 400 meters a second yeah. or some shit. It's re- fucking crazy. I read a Screen Rant article before this that was like, uh, with, the headline was like, we'll explain which bits are CGI and which bits are uh, practical effects. And I thought, oh, cool. And it got to it. And it was clearly just some dude. Speculating, speculating like I could and it was like probably and the bit that they were saying like they were saying like the bit where all the jets are flying and there's all these missiles around them that was probably CGI because it would be unsafe to have missiles in the air with actors but well, fucking yeah. <laughs> you screen rant <laughs> but yeah fucking sick just farming clicks on that article oh yeah the, 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 the effects looked incredible apparently the bit where the bit at the very start where Tom Cruise flies that jet right over the Dark Admiral Star. or whatever yeah, yeah and flies the, it over Ed Harris yeah and the roof of the hut goes Woof! apparently that was the set and yeah, that was real. That actually happened, and yep. it broke. It broke that, and they were yeah, like, "Oh, we gotta go." <laughs> talking about they, they, we might slice in the audio of an interview, but the um, yeah, he said they only got one take at that because it it fully destroys the set. And when I <laughs> yeah. saw that happen on screen, I was like, I don't think that was planned. Like <laughs> yeah. that just yeah. looked like it just happened. Yeah, and yeah, I was right. And that's also Ed Harris actually taking that shockwave fully to the face. That's so cool. Props to that man. There's a bit where um, it's so crazy. Like you see him like. He's blown backwards and yeah. the roof next to him like just rips off this guard tower. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, I thought the third act where they... So, the, the whole the whole movie, they're like... They describe the mission, they're training for the mission and then they actually do the mission. Yeah, and the actual thought- mission itself, just to quickly cover this, the actual mission itself is... It's they the have trench two run minutes from the Death th- Star. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they've got two minutes and 30 seconds and they've got to fly under really low so they're avoiding radar for these sea to, uh, surface-to-air missiles. And um, 
they have to fly through this ravine system for like two minutes and then the actual target is in a big crater with a mountain on either the front and back of it. Yeah. So they have to go through this ravine and then they fly up the outside of the short mountain, down, they bomb the target in the middle of the crater and then they fly almost straight vertically up out. It looks so sick. Immediately into like uh, more surface-to-air missile target stuff. So yeah. then at the end, they've got a dogfight. Because the other, by the time they're done, they will have scrambled other fighters to come and intercept them and try and take them out of the skies. So the whole uh, movie leading up to the third act is them simulating doing that yeah. in a safe environment. Yeah, it's so sick. And I thought that was obviously the uh, the most exciting bit. I thought it was my favorite of the whole movie. It was so sick. And then yeah. the bit the bit around, um, I suppose this is like a mild spoiler. Mm, sure. But if you don't care, whatever, the mild spoiler, it, you, it won't ruin the experience of watching it. Yeah. But this is your spoiler warning. Um the bit at the end where um, Maverick takes a missile for Rooster. Yeah. And yeah. then it opens up this whole extra 15 minutes where Rooster then uh, Rooster then goes in and risks his life and crashes his plane to save Maverick. That was so sick. I was, that was by that cool. point, I was all in, like, woo! Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, um, you get getting to see Tom Cruise running. That was a treat. Didn't yeah. think we'd see him running in just, this. Yeah, that's right. Goddamn, love to see Tom Cruise run. Just at the end when they. Um when they have to hijack that other plane that as old well. Air so, the old Air 14, that that, that's the plane that Tom Cruise flew. Although, uh, it's those kinds of planes that were in the original Top Gun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, So, so it's, it's like a it's reference a, back to that. You can see that the, it's got that classic shape of the wings that like deploy um, laterally and, yeah. and all that kind of shit. It's pretty cool. Um, I really like Miles Teller, man. I think he's fucking great. And he hasn't been in many good movies uh, in a little while, I think. He's done a lot of weird shit, a lot of rom-coms and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, he had a weird, like, I don't know what, I don't know if he's done some dodgy shit or something, but he just had a weird period where, after Whiplash, I felt like, I was like, this guy's career is about to fucking explode. Yeah. And then it just sort of, he didn't really, like, he was in Spectacular Now and Whiplash and seemed like he was on the up and up, and then he's in War Dogs, that one with Jonah Hill, I think, and just sort of, not much. Um, Yeah. But I feel like this is the biggest thing he's done recently. Um yeah, yeah, I think so as well. So I don't know if and even then it filmed fucking th- three years ago. Yeah, so I don't know if something so, like something happened or he was just not getting people were like, no, they don't, you know, audiences don't really want to see that type, your type of character at the moment or whatever. Yeah, so middle, yeah, we'll middle of the witches. I don't know. I think it was. Um, I, I think it was. I think it's a film that's really worth seeing in the cinema. Mm. I think if you're watching it like on a couch at home. I don't know. It's it's a big spec. It's a big spectacular movie where the whole point is the action sequences. Yeah, I booked a ticket for the biggest screen that I could possibly get into, and part of the reason for that was like obviously I wanted the visuals, but also the the sound of this movie because yeah. like a key part of this type of experience is like, yeah. do you does it feel like I'm in the fucking cockpit? And the sound design of this film is is great. Like I think it's actually probably an underrecognized part of why the film's so good yeah, because yeah. you know hearing like then break the sound barrier, hearing all of the comms, over the, 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 that kind of buzzing, like talking into the mask kind of comms is really important. Um, and I think part of the reason why it's so exciting when they're on screen is, um, to an extent, the, the actors are just being put through the physical tasks that, you know, like... They talked heaps they're about... They're not acting, they're actually experiencing it. And so well, yeah, and yeah. you know, Tom Cruise said, like, part of the reason we had to do this for real is you can't fake the Gs on, like, 
you know, pulling your cheeks down on your face. Like, yeah. there's certain things. There's definitely moments in this film where um, when they're pulling that high G maneuver at the end or even during the training. Yeah. I think you're really seeing the actors start to black out. I think so. And there was, there's, there's a lot of stuff where they're actually getting thrown around. Like there's, there's a sequence apparently where Miles Teller wasn't properly strapped into the seat and they do some maneuver and he goes, and like hits his head on the roof of the jet. Yeah, and, and he that, thought that, it was an unusable take. Yeah, that's the one they ended up using. Yeah, yeah, yeah really cool. Um, there was uh, I was Chapo did a did an app on this where it was actually pretty good. They talked about how the original film was a wet film and this is a dry film because <laughs> in the original everyone's just glistening with sweat the whole time and that that's that's kind of some magic that's been lost. Yeah. Matt Christmas said like eighty six to ninety or like eighty seven to ninety six was the wet decade. <laughs> um, but they talked. He talked about. Uh, the people in the back seats of the second plane in each group of two don't like he, he was kind of saying there was one moment where they're looking around to try and see a plane that's following them yeah. and he puts it's bob and he puts his hand on the glass of the cockpit when he turns around to kind of like look out the back of the plane yeah and he, he said in that moment he was like oh i think that's like a real you know you kind of think keep your hands on the controls or whatever, but then not doing anything really. Yeah. So the way that he turned around seemed like such a human thing of like, you would really, it's like a, almost like a fear response. And there's a few moments like that where the way that they're interacting with the interior of these planes just seems like that just was like a reflex. Like, you know, they're really putting you through shit. You're like yeah. trying to crane around. So you're like pushing off surfaces and, and the way that they physically interact with the planes is, is really compelling to watch. Yeah, I it reminded me of like cool. when you're watching, I don't know, I've been on like weird YouTube binges and stuff and watch like <laughs> flight training videos and shit. And, um, or like people that are like, how many G's can I subject myself to or whatever? Yeah. And it does feel like watching some of those things because the, like, you're really watching them experience it, but you're watching it with a budget that is unlike any of those other types of videos we yeah. ever have gotten. So it's such high quality yeah. and it's so exciting. Um, something else that was immediately like a duh, but that I hadn't thought about at all is that they said, essentially they had to fully train, <laughs> basically the way they talked about it, the first thing they said was all of the actors needed to become their own cinematographer because, yeah. and then they were like, because obviously no one else is up there in the plane. Yeah, but they're just locking like, oh, the no cameras shit. into place. Well, and they are, but go. they're the ones that are starting and stopping and they're the ones yeah. that are, I guess, thinking about. I, I think they were talking to the pilots and saying, can we, like, can we change the angle or the role or whatever at this point yeah. in time? So Because the way that the light is hitting is like a certain, it's not really working or whatever. Yeah. So... And I think one, um, you know, basically, uh, I can't fucking remember the director's name. He's not very, he's actually done some stuff that I quite liked, but sorry. It was directed by fucking Joseph Kaczynski. He did the Tron movie. Yeah, he did Tron Legacy, which I quite liked. Um, and Oblivion, which was the other Tom Cruise yeah, that's film right. yeah, yeah. that we talked about back in 2013. Um he said basically, after he was with them up until they got in the cockpits, and then it he was like, I'll see see you in an hour. Like yeah, there's nothing he did, I can do. Get to do anything. You know, um, Miles Teller said that one time uh, uh, when they were up in the jets doing the middles, he hit record and then fucked it somehow. And then maybe at the end, he said somehow there's something you can do with the cameras that's basically like delete everything I just shot, please. <laughs> that I watched that interview as well. Yeah, that was when he said that. I was like, 
Oh, oh God. Because, yeah. like, the <laughs> amount of money that you accidentally just pissed away. Yeah, just oh, like $11,000. Oh, my God. More than that shit, man. Yeah. I reckon, you'd, yeah, you'd be talking, like, in the hundreds of thousands for that kind of take. Fucking crazy. It's the rules. Um, Absolutely rules. Yeah. I reckon this is a good movie. I, saw, I took my mum to see this movie, and she liked it. Nice. I think, I think if you're not sure, if you want a, a thrilling action film type thing, you'll love it. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. Um, I think it's not as good as a. Uh, it's, it's not as good as Mission Impossible mm. Fallout. It made me keen for the next Mission Impossible film. Mostly, that's what it did because yeah. I want because that's the one where he goes to the fucking ISS, right? Is it? And does like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's he's going to the ISS in the next one. I thought that was like years away. I, th- I thought that was like a, another Tom Cruise movie that's not a Mission Impossible. No, I think it's the next Mission Impossible one. That's so I don't crazy. know whenever it's coming out, but yeah. um, if he's doing a fucking Halo drop in this one, like it's going to be pretty <laughs> pretty exciting. I yeah. think. Well, should we, should we wrap it up there? Then I don't think there's much else we can say. Yeah, I'm like, sure. look at these planes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was halfway through my better than worse than. I reckon this is better than Top Gun. Sure. Yep. Worse Couldn't than say. Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. I agree with Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm not sure that there's... I mean, y- you know, the it's doing something so different to any other film that it's kind of tough to say what well, does yeah. it better than this. It feels like this, a real throwback to classic 80s action movies in a way where it captures the spirit of the, the cheesiness and mm. the corniness and the... Uh, every every type of feeling from that aspect, but then the action is next level, brand spanking new modern effects. What do you reckon about uh, like? Do you prefer Dunkirk? I haven't seen it, but in terms of like the kind That's of completely different movie, really doing the you know a- aerial stuff. I think Dunkirk's stunts. a better movie. I right. don't think there's so much. The there's not really better. much happening with the aerial stuff in Dunkirk. Okay, interesting. Well, sure. I mean, this is the you know this is better than almost any film uh, that uses like heavy CGI in yeah. favor of doing the practical yeah. stuff because it's just it, the on-screen language is so honest. Yeah, yeah. That it's exciting. It it almost couldn't not be exciting. Do you know? Um, yeah, def- it definitely. So yeah, exactly. I don't know what this is better than other than yeah, sure the original Top Gun, but not having seen it, I feel like that's a bit of a cheat. But that's yeah, right. let's go that's with right. that. Teamwork, it's all good. I uh, will. I, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm. I'm bringing back my patented. Uh, what am I gonna buy this on? Great. Um, I'm keen to pick this up, not because I really want to watch the movie again. I probably get it on four. You want to watch a making of feature, but I do want to see a lot of behind yeah. the scenes shit. Yeah, I, um, I would watch it. I would. I would get this for behind the scenes. I think other than that, this would be just like a rent. For I don't me. think I'll if ever I'm, watch it again. If I'm hanging out with someone who hasn't seen it and we're with a big group of boys, maybe we'll watch it. Yeah, I don't I, think it's it's a real cinema experience. My dream movie would be a feature length documentary on the making of this film. That'd be cool. That would yeah. be better than the film yeah. itself. Way better than the film. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, for yeah. me, this is like Gravity, that movie Gravity for me, where it's like a fucking spectacular, awesome movie yeah, to watch it's in a the roller cinema coaster ride. that I'm never going to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah for cool. sure. Oh, well, nice. watch it. I hope you enjoyed this. I think, uh, I don't think we've discussed this uh, off air yet, but the next movie that's coming out that I really want to see is probably that Buzz Lightyear movie. Oh, fuck. I'm yeah, keen to sure. see that. That's coming out in a couple of weeks. Another one that's coming out soon is the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie, which I think has gotten a couple dodgy headlines, but its scores are still good online. Mm. And I like, I've enjoyed enough Baz Luhrmann stuff where I'm, and I like Elvis, so I'm definitely watching that anyway. Well, I might do a hate watch because I truly yeah. dislike Baz Luhrmann. Right. So well, we could do that. We could do that. Uh, I think Lightyear I'm definitely watching soon in the cinema because I think, I think it seems fun. Yeah. Uh, yep. Elvis sure. is another one otherwise uh, there's that um, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie that looks a bit which is also getting good reviews I think 
Yeah, um, they're not getting bad reviews. I like John Mulaney and I like uh, Andy Samberg and they got a cool a cool vibe together. So mm. stay tuned. Those are the next couple of things that are on my watch list. Yeah, stick around. We'll let you know. Um, I think th- the latest Thor film is coming out soon and stuff. So, you know, there's... Meh, like a clockwork really orange along to that. Check the... Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Check the... Um, yeah, and there's another Jurassic Park movie coming out soon. So... Check the episode description and we'll tell yeah. you what we're planning on watching. We'll, and, we'll then we'll, have that and then we'll do right something now. different. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for listening. Bye, 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 bye. Shoving in